Welcome to Geek to Guru. Today I'm going to talk about the internet and the World Wide Web. I'll be going into a bit more detail than I did in the last episodes. We'll be needing this extra detail because some of the other subjects that I have planned for future episodes won't make a lot of sense without the extra background. So hang on to your lace panties, we're going in. The internet is a huge collection of computers connected by cables, phone lines, microwave links and so on. Your computer may be connected to the net over a phone line with a modem or using DSL, which also uses your phone line but in a very different way, or over a cable connection or a wireless connection using high frequency radio. There may be other ways of connecting, but I can't think of any. These four connection types probably account for 99% of all home user connections. When your machine is connected, it isn't just talking to the internet, it actually becomes part of the network. Your connection at home links you to your internet service provider or ISP. Your ISP is connected, directly or indirectly, to what is usually called the internet backbone. This can be thought of as a hard core of connected machines that are always up and running and available to carry data around the internet. Another way to think of the internet is to look at it as servers and clients. Servers basically sit quietly waiting for incoming connections from clients and then perform some service that the client requests and sends back the result. For example, when you click on a link in your web browser, which is a client program, it sends a request to a web server asking it to send back a page of information. When that data gets back to your browser, it can render it on the screen. In the same way, when you write an email in Outlook Express or Thunderbird or whichever email client you use, and you click the send button, your email program opens a connection to an email server and sends the email. The server takes care of sending it on to the right place. Another email server at the receiving end delivers it to the recipient's mailbox. The internet is made of servers of different kinds. Web servers, email servers, file transfer servers that let you upload and download files, chat servers, instant messaging servers, game servers, and so on. Generally speaking, you wouldn't normally have any server programs running on your home system, although some programs, particularly multiplayer games, do include servers so that you can play on a local area network in your home. Most programs that use internet access on, your, on a home system are client programs. Your web browser is a web client, your email program is a mail client, and the World of Warcraft that the guy in the cube next to you is playing when he should be working is a game client that connects to a game server. So to recap, the internet is a collection of servers, clients, and all of the connections between them. In other words, the whole enchilada. The World Wide Web is related to that, but it's not the same thing. Web pages have links that you can click that will take you to another page which may be on the same server or a different server altogether. These links connect pages all across the internet forming a spider web of interconnections and that's why we call it the web. It's been said that you can get from any page to any other page in six or eight clicks but I'm not sure I believe that myself. A few years ago I worked in customer support for an ISP answering customers questions on the phone. One of the most common questions we get from people who had just got internet access for the first time was, I just got the internet, now what? So I'm going to spend a little bit of time here to try to answer that question, or at least give a few ideas of where to begin. 
I'll put some links in the show notes as well. It's geekdeguru.blogspot.com and that'll be repeated at the end of the show. Probably the first place to check out is your ISP's web page. For most ISPs, the main page takes the form that's often called a portal. It provides links to various news sites, entertainment pages, weather information, links to pages that might be of specific interest such as recipes, sports and so on. There are other portal sites such as Yahoo that give more general coverage worldwide but also go down to a very local level and may very well give more detailed local information than even your ISP does. There are search engine pages where you can search for specific information. Google is probably the best known search engine, but there are others such as AltaVista, Lycos and Webcrawler. The search engines let you type in a few keywords and that will help you locate websites that contain those words. This can be very useful or not very useful at all, depending on how specific your keywords are. Picking the right keywords is often more of an art than a science. The best known general reference site is probably Wikipedia, which is a free online encyclopedia that anyone can edit. It's not necessarily 100% accurate, and the articles can be biased, especially when the subject matter is something contentious, but it's often a good starting point, and most pages have links to non-Wikipedia resources that may be more detailed and more definitive. There are also reference sites for more specific subject areas. For example, WebMD.com is a useful resource for medical information, and the Internet Movie Database has information about just about every movie and TV show ever made. Just about every newspaper and news service has its own web page, and local and national weather information is usually very easy to find. If you have a hobby, you could look for internet forums where other people with the same interests can type text messages, express opinions, ask questions and so on. A Google search is probably the best way to find a forum on any particular subject. You've probably heard of what are called social networking sites. MySpace and Facebook are probably the most well-known, but be very careful using these sites. Everything you say about yourself is fair game and can be read by anyone. Would you want your personal thoughts being read by your employer or a potential employer? For this reason, I personally don't use these sites and I'd always advise someone new to the internet to not use them unless you're absolutely sure what the risks are. Well, I think that about covers it for this episode. Before I go, there's a couple of off-topic notes I'd like to mention, but before that, a word from our sponsors. Welcome, welcome to Captain Chicken, where all our daily lunch pleasures will have you standing on your head and cooking for more chicken. If you eat a nine-piece special with a box of okra, four biscuits, three pounds of mashed potatoes, and a quarter pound of gravy, and three slices of blueberry pie, we'll give you a free Coke and a set of the captain's wings from the captain his own self. They're genuine plastic. They sure are nice. They got glitter on them and everything. They look so good on your clothes. So come on down to Captain Chicken for all your chicken needs. In the last episode, I apologize for the awful sound quality. You may have noticed that this is a little better this week because I have a new recording mechanism, but unfortunately, with one thing and another, I haven't had time to practice much, and so it's still not 100%, but we're getting there. Please bear with me. I'm hoping that the next episode will be much, much improved. In the next episode, then, I'll be covering some internet dangers, 
some things that some people will tell you are dangerous that really aren't that dangerous at all, and how to protect yourself from, well, both. Until next episode then, bye-bye. See our website at geek2guru.blogspot.com for notes, further reading, and contact information.